still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes One last time with Watson going magnificently on the outside. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. Series 4, episode 33. It's time for our season recap, the recap of the worst season in Bath history. And I am joined, I'm delighted to be joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan Tom Tom, nostalgic listening back to old Anthony for one last time. The last time, G, the last time. Drink it in. Um, there were there were there were good times. Um, there have not been many good times this this season, but um yeah, once again the the curtain raiser on on season four, but it wasn't wasn't much of a performance in this case. <laughs> and then Anthony off to join what will be the premiership champion Leicester Tigers, Tom. I know we watched the game together on on Saturday afternoon um, and yeah one for me anyway one final kicker to the worst season of all time I I couldn't bring myself to support Leicester and yeah was was ultimately pretty disappointed with the result it was one of those where you just wanted a draw you just wanted them to draw <laughs> and it all to be over you know Saracens come back up after having been disgraced in the and relegated in the championship or Freddie Burns, as you say, with a opportunity to to make himself a hero, and 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 you know he did it. I mean, we've 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 not always had kind things to say about Freddie Burns, but he'll he'll go to his grave being being happy with that one. Um, and a great advert for for Premiership rugby, you know, the the, the final at Twickenham, uh, a brilliant game, a really close fought game. You thought it might go to extra time potentially, and then a, a drop goal late on to finish it, and obviously harkens back to. To, to, to other finals in years gone by when drop goals have sealed it. So you've got to say you've got to say fair play to them. And from from my point of view, you know, they have had a absolute regeneration under 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 Borthwick from, from where they were bottom and, and relegated if it wasn't for ring, for ring fencing. Well, to, if it wasn't to, for Saracens. To, yeah, sorry if it wasn't for, for Saracens penalty and, and and back up at the top and and, and champions. So if it can happen to them, G, it can happen to us. <laughs> That's a fantastic, optimistic start, but certainly wasn't feeling too optimistic on on Saturday. And I, I you know, I you know, I don't want to kind of have sour grapes to towards Burns or anyone in particular. So, so maybe we won't get into too much detail, any more detail about that final, Tom. And as I say, this is our Bath Rugby Plug season wrap up. We're going to talk all about the season, where it went wrong, the lowlights of the season, of which there were many. Any highlights, any positives from the season? You know, there might be one or two before having a brief look ahead to next season, looking at the squad structure that we've got in place, uh, what looked to be a confirmed final squad for Bath we're going to talk about, uh, and then look ahead a little bit to the summer and and some key dates, key upcoming dates for for Bath and and maybe a couple for, for England and for you, the listeners. And speaking of you, the listeners, thank you for your support this season. Please do subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review if you can and when we're back at the end of next season I will your the the new podcast will be delivered straight to your device and follow us on socials for to keep up with us um, across the summer and and get in touch with us at Bath Rugby Plug. The the, the Twitter activity does tend to take a (laughs) bit of a dive um, remember logging back on last season and we had um, I think we had a hundred odd notifications which for us is you know that is that is that is going some. So don't expect instant replies. <laughs> expect a similar service to to those of you that email in. Um, month turnaround at best, but um, we'll 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 do our best. But I think we need a break as well. Yeah, I think I think we we potentially do need a break. Um, it has been a, a a pretty tough season for Bath. Fitness has been tested. And it has been at times a difficult season for 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 us as podcasters. But but that isn't to say that we we've absolutely loved we haven't absolutely loved doing it. And and kind of yeah, thank you again for for listening and, and sticking sticking behind us. Um, and yeah, please do kind of stick with it, and and, and we'll look forward to seeing you back next season. Um, but Tom, let's get into the season review. And and speaking of our podcast, I think you spent some time this week to to go back and listen to our 
pre-season podcast at the start of this season, the very first episode of season four, to see sort of what sort of spirits we were in, what we were looking forward to, and what maybe we were concerned about with the season. And why don't you kind of let us know what those were before we get into talking about how the season unfolded. What what was the feeling amongst us and amongst Bath fans as we embarked on, on, on this, this great adventure? Well, no prizes there. The feeling was... Um, I wouldn't even say tentative optimism. There was some fairly, uh, some, some fair, both of us jumping on the bandwagon for for, for 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 various things that we were we were looking forward to. I think both of us with a, a healthy sense of of scepticism, um, but but the former, as usual on this podcast, so certainly kind of overruled the latter. And we used to when we used to do those those accountable predictions where we'd make all these outlandish statements on this this podcast and then we'd we'd a few months down the line we'd kind of turn back and, <laughs> and and see how prophetic we'd been and the answer was 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 not particularly in most cases. But I thought I'd pick out a few little quotes from the season which are oh, from man. from from the episode. See if you can first of all kind of kind of see who who, who said them. Um, and also I think it'll uh, it'll probably it'll probably give you a bit of a sense for for how we were feeling. So the first one was was earlier on in the podcast when one of us said the same feeling of hope is building up inside of me ahead of the upcoming season. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like something I would say, uh, and sounds like something I'm probably going to say at the start at the start of next season. And it was you, yeah. <laughs> it was I'm you. I think you optimistic. Mate. You convinced yourself uh, early doors that that that, um, <laughs> that we were we were we were flying upwards. And I'll, I'll another one that, that oh, related to that. And I quote. It just makes you think we're going to go and win the whole thing. <laughs> I don't think I said that. I can't have said that. It was you as well. I don't, I don't, I don't think I predicted we are going to win the whole thing. Well, I mean, we, we, we all, as we, we always do, do on the, the pre-season podcast, made some predictions. And I think you'd actually put out a poll for, to, to, our, to our followers on Twitter as to where we would finish out of the 13 teams in the league. 62% of our listenership at the time or of our followers on Twitter who who voted thought that we'd finish between 5th and between 8th place. Any ideas where we where we predicted? I think I, I thought we'd probably finish around 5th, maybe sneak into the top 4. I think you didn't actually give an answer. Oh, you well. you uh, you you <laughs> as, a, as any good politician does, you avoided the question, but you were I think you were a bit you you thought that might be a bit optimistic. I flew in at a solid 6th. So that was uh, Champions <laughs> Cup next season, and um, I, was, I, was, I was pretty bullish on that. In terms of player of the season predictions, any, any ideas for who I must who have gone, gone with? You did go for Ben Spencer, unsurprisingly. I'd probably got um, that right. And, well, and, and but for injuries, he'd, he'd probably, you know, earlier on the season, he'd probably have a shout. I went for Miles Reid, who I think, other than leading out his, his childhood team on one occasion, I think he's, he's had a very frustrating season with injuries. So... Um, we, we didn't we didn't quite 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 get there with him, and then maybe just a couple of other quotes that will that will kind of lead us in. Um, this one this is a point we kind of both made, made but a but 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 a quote nonetheless. There are thirty two people in the rugby department, three to coach the players, but still, and I quote, still no defence coach. So maybe we can maybe we can come on to to discuss that. And one other one which which I which I really enjoy, which is another one from you. This is ridiculous. I, I was, have to go I was really press, impressed with David Williams. Oh, I think he is going to have a really significant impact this season, <laughs> and his relationship with Danny Cipriani will be pivotal. But, oh God! So I um, think well, he can switch off air listeners. There's no, there's no, there's no point listening to our, our predictions. <laughs> there's no crystal ball in, in uh, on this podcast. In fairness to me, I think the relationship between Danny Cipriani and Dave Williams was pivotal. To how our season played out, ah, it was a, it was a, 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 a stormy relationship and one which bared absolutely no fruit in terms of success for Bath on the field. So, in many ways, I was absolutely spot on. Yeah, well, maybe one final one. I've, 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 I've had a few at you, and this is something that I've been saying for a while and still hasn't quite come about. And I said, I think something we'll see quite a lot this season is Tom Ellis appearing regularly <laughs> in a second row shirt. It's not happening. Check that, it's not happened once. It's not happening. So there we go. It's never going to happen. It's <laughs> there never, we go. ever going to happen. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think you've painted maybe um, a bad picture of me there. From from memory, I feel like there was a fair bit of concern, yeah. Tom, heading heading into the season about the depth of the squad in particular and, and, and how injuries and, 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 and 
poor performances from anyone that we had recruited would affect the, the performance. And I, I think that was kind of the the the, the main sense around, around Bath fans. And I'm just going to give us, Tom, a quick story of the season. I've been through this evening, I've trawled through all of the news items that Bath had put out over the course of this season. Yes, I do have absolutely no life. And kind of paint a picture of exactly what happened and a little bit of a timeline so we can get kind of caught up with with how this has all played out and yeah I think that sense of pessimism led into the first game we didn't get off to a great start the first game away at Sale was a 2019 defeat with an injury to Ben Spencer coupled with the injury to big Joe Thokonasiga in pre-season an early sign of of what was to come you're not, you're not going through every game. I'm you? not going to go. Through I don't think game. I can do it again. <laughs> I'm not going to go. Through I'll every just come game. back in five minutes. <laughs> we then returned home for our our first home game and and, and lost 2013 to to Newcastle, and which at the time Tom felt like a a really big loss because what was to come looked ominous, and it certainly was ominous. That started a run of ten losses in a row in the Premiership, two more in Europe, two more in the Premiership rugby club, including the first real low point of the season, which was the 71-17 defeat to Saracens, a game in which Anthony Watson ruptured his ATL. Mm -hmm. Abano also, during that period, ruptured his ATL in in the Quinns game. And we racked up another 71 points against as we um, played Gloucester in the Premiership Rugby Cup. There were a couple of signs, though, over this period of of what was to, to perhaps be the only positive of the season and in the game against Bristol away in particular, a game which we lost 20, 25 points to 20, the influence of Bailey and Ajoma was, was starting to show. After this tr- tough start, the, the club released the first of their club updates. And this begins, you know, what can only be described as off-the-field shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Tarquin McDonald on the 29th of October said that the club were going to use the period where we were playing the Premiership Cup to assess how things were going and then change based on that. Following this club review, Ed Griffiths, remember him, was brought in on a short-term basis and it was announced that a fence coach would be appointed. On the 15th of December, Johan van Gran was confirmed, along with Brent Hansi-Jans Rensberg as the defence coach. Finally, a defence coach, Tom. Unlike his namesake, however, he wasn't able to increase profits by 17% or cut expenditure without losing a single member of staff. So not quite as successful as Sir David. A month after joining then, Ed Griffiths was appointed chairman on a full-time basis. By himself. By himself. Back to on-the-field matters and the European campaign got underway on the 13th of December with a heavy defeat at Leinster. Covid struck the nation and Bath over Christmas as two games were cancelled um, over that period. January, was it to be a new bar- new year, new Bath? The 9th of January, the first win of the season, 22-19 against 14-man Worcester Warriors. An even bigger day, Tom, on Friday the 14th of January, when the French government announced they were relaxing the regulation for people to be entering the country from the UK which meant us and the three of our friends, the La Rochelle Five, were able to travel with the boys to watch, albeit a heavy defeat, but an absolutely unforgettable weekend. We returned home a little jaded, as did the players, it would appear. 64 points were put on us by Leinster at home the following week. Then came the signing of the season, the moment of the season probably. Nathan Hughes on a short-term, short-term deal from Bristol, an instant impact as we turned over Quinns at home. The season then, Tom, continued to splatter. Losses to Saracens, Wasps and Tigers and the great David Williams lost his job. We did then turn over Bristol, overturning a 21-point deficit at home and drew with Sale. The fans and the club, it appeared, looked then began to look ahead to next season as signings and coaches were announced. We were granted the unexpected surprise of a European knockout game against Edinburgh and surprisingly a heavy defeat. The season from there, Tom, frankly, just disintegrated. More defeats, most notably 64-0 at Gloucester. And the -the off-the-field shenanigans continued as Griffiths left left, and fans were again promised a reset. We ended it all with a defeat. And after all that, countless defeats, countless tries conceded, 33 episodes of the Bath Rugby Plug. We finished bottom 
and quite frankly, absolutely deservedly so. <laughs> Let's wrap up there, shall we? <laughs> we wrap up you don't, there. You don't need me. <laughs> well, I've often thought that. Very... <laughs> We'll edit that bit out <laughs> if, if we could. <laughs> yeah, that's spot on. Um, yeah, really, really relive that with you. And I think it has been the worst. <clears throat> excuse me, it has been the worst season in 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 living memory. You know, and and possibly our 157 year history as a club. And I think what always vexes a lot of Bath fans, a lot of casual fans, a lot of fans from other clubs is that with the crop of players that we have and have had over the last few years, the financial backing we have, the resources, the facilities, the history, underperformance has been something that has, has kind of frustrated followers of this club since really the dawn of the professional era, mm. with very, very few exceptions. You think of the you know Challenge Cup victory, you think of the 14-15 the runners-up medal, you think of the top four a couple of years ago, but that felt a little bit mm. um, artificial due to, due to the pandemic. But this season has really been next level and, you know, forget bottom of the league, which, as you say, we completely deserved at times. And many times, really, we haven't even looked close to being in the same league as some of our rivals this season. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just simply not been good enough. And then you, you throw in the, the episode that you mentioned about Griffiths coming in, appointing himself chairman, the subsequent power struggle and dismissal. And, and for all the talk of Stuart Hooper building a culture... A lot of that toxic sludge has kind of poured out into the into the public domain, and yeah, it's been a waking nightmare for for Bath rugby fans at, at, at time and times. And there's 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 plenty of reasons for this. Mm. Um, we can get into them. Some of them we identified, you know, a couple of seasons ago, and we identified on that preseason podcast that I I I, I listened back to. But I mean, it's been a sobering experience for many players and many coaches, I think, and many fans, some of whom probably will be kind of um kind of won't come back from it and yeah it's been sobering absolutely and 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 yeah it's been just really really difficult to be a bath fan and i think people the question people kind of always ask me as a bath fan is kind of why has this season gone so badly wrong what what is the reason for it do you think you can put your your finger on exactly what the reasons are for having such a bad season when as you say the squad on paper and the heritage of the club would suggest that they should never have had this bad a season I think what's what's made it particularly bad this season I mean there's there's a number of there's a number of reasons and in any rugby club players have to take responsibility coaches do management do um, I, I I really do think this year that the the level of coaching simply has not been up to scratch. Mm. I mean, not to have a defence coach for whatever it was, a season and a half to a point one midway through the season, that you know, something that we and others have been saying for ages, simply beggars belief. Neil Hatley, I don't believe, was had the, the skills that were needed to be a head coach. In any case, if he did or does, he's been massively overstretched not having that defence coach, having a um, you know, novice coaches in, in Luke Charteris and, and Mark Lilly obviously coming up from the academy. Mm. And and you only have to look at the on-field performances from players who individually are not poor players. In most cases, they're good or very good players, as they've shown in other seasons and other clubs. But the, the defence has just been abysmal mm. for essentially the entirety of the season, despite bringing in um, Sir David on, on the short-term basis. The set-piece in seasons gone by in area strength has been... Dreadful. The lineup's been inaccurate. The scrum's been inconsistent at best. Mm. That's probably being generous. And I think in the Premiership, unfortunately, with the the intensity of the season, the, the fine margins that a lot of the games um, ride on, when you're not defending, when you are uh, when you have no defensive structure, when your set piece is poor, when the mindset of the players becomes so damaged that we just wilt and mm. capitulate when when it starts to go against us. You can quite easily find yourself on the the end of the end of a massive feast that we have. So, reason number one for me, I think it has to be the the quality and the structure of the the coaching setup that we've had. But that does not absolve the players completely. And that's just been borne out, I think, in in kind of a confusion in the way that we've actually wanted to win games this season. I feel like they still, at the start of the season, 
wanted to win games on set piece and being physically dominant. And I think they thought, we'll do that, and then we'll bring in Cipriani, and he'll just take care of the rest, and Williams will just take care of the rest. And I think, as you say, the coaching in those important areas of the set piece has just been not good enough, and the, the performance of the players has just been not good enough that they thought, well, we can't, we can't win games like that because you look at other teams like Gloucester, Saracens, um, Leicester. These guys are so well coached in the set piece and in the, the tight five that we just couldn't compete. And I think from there, there became this just real confusion as to how they were going to win the game. And I just think they went out there on a number of occasions this season and they didn't really know what their kind of USP, what was what were they going to do better than the opposition, 100%. Yeah. And there was just never anything that we were like, right, this season we've got the best kicking game. This season we've got the best centre partnership. This season we've got the best, you know, 8, 9, 10 controlling the game, best front row. We just didn't have any of that. And I just think it became a complete mess because after that really bad start, they just panicked, and, and probably rightly so. And they just then from there, it just became a complete shambles. And I think that domino effect of a club that should have been higher than it was, starting so badly, not knowing what they're doing, that then created everything which came with it, which was the kind of Griffiths, the, what appeared to be you know, a really disgruntled playing group and, and a device, that, a, a split or you know, divisive kind of atmosphere in, in, in the club. And I think that's kind of all culminated in, in, in what's yeah. just been a, a shocking season. And I think also just on, on that, I think what's, What's made that even worse? That that lack of that that front five and and everything like that is just I think what went on last summer and I think the recruitment last summer and the the squad management last summer just was was pretty poor and I think the the signings that we made in the front row have not been good enough and I think letting someone like Stu go out the door and not replacing him has also not been good enough and I think. The recruitment is something that they probably got them pretty well over the last few seasons under Hooper. But I think looking back on it last summer and be that front five or, you know, Kutsia or Cipriani, these guys have just had no impact, no positive impact to, to talk about. Yeah, I mean, just two points there, aren't there? I think the first one is a, is, is a really good one. The wheels came off. Mm. We created a losing habit i mean what's the expression i think it's if you do something eight times or something you create a habit we lost 12 or 13 on the bounce so we've really created an ingrained habit <laughs> of losing um and of and, of, and of, of of our heads going um and i think coaching's coaching's a part of that and the other the other thing about good coaching and you see this in leicester you see this in saracens in particular is that people you, are, you everyone knows their role so well that it matters when you you get your your top players aren't available or get injured but players can slot into the the structure be it a, a, a scrum or a driving mall or a backline move or a defensive structure they can slot in and do the job not quite as well but they can do the job well because it's all been drilled so well yeah we i think have become in the last few seasons so reliant on having our top guys available and on having our stars available you're right in that the drop off has been significant but I think with better coaching those guys fit in better and they look more of a cohesive unit rather than suddenly just being kind of a um, and you know this is harsh but a kind of a bedraggled group of individuals who don't quite know what they're doing they're not of the same quality of the guys that we 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 are used to see playing um, and yeah I think in a, in a salary cap era where where you get where you get a, a big drop off and, and that is that is natural I don't think recruitment's been good but I think that with better coaching, those guys probably mm. could have could have fitted him a bit better, mm. and the wheels may not have come off as much as much as they did. Agreed, and 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 the the reason for this um, season being so bad, let's be clear, is not injuries and it's not international call ups. No, because that is nothing new. If if you can go through a season and we'll go, we can't go through another season. Where we go, oh, it didn't go well because we didn't have Watson, we didn't have a Barno. I just don't, I just won't buy that because that has been the case for a while. So your job is to address that and make sure that when that happens again, you are, you have built the squad to be able to adapt to that. And that is not the reason why it's gone so bad. They knew that was potentially going to be an issue, 
and they just didn't they just didn't address it. Yeah, I mean, you can you can kind of next season looking ahead, you could kind of excuse you know some poor not poor recruitment but some lower quality recruitment with the salary cap biting mm. let's not forget the salary cap was frozen mm. at whatever it is 5.6 with with two marquee players and when i look at the ins and outs from from last season yeah we weren't letting away world beaters in many cases apart from, apart from Zach mercer but if you look at Kristen judge reese priestland elliot stook ross batty jack walker henry thomas josh matavesi max wright those guys uh, were, were, were solid squad players, or better in some cases. And when I look at the guys that have been have been brought in, I mean, the list is far shorter for a start, but Johannes Jonker, Darcy Ray, Arthur Caldwell, Will Butt, Kieran Burden, those are academy guys, De Carpentier, Joe Simpson, Tom Priddy, Jordan Benter, Valerie Morozov. And those guys just haven't added the same depth or, or quality as the guys that, that went out. And the bottom five are all... Short-term in-season yeah. signings. And I haven't so, even mentioned Nathan Hughes and Matthew Fia. I mean, Nathan. You've Nathan, Nathan. My boy. <laughs> I think he's still a free agent. Yeah. Shall we dip back into the market? We could do with a number eight. Well, we'll come on to, we'll come on to that. We we'll certainly will be, be coming on to that. Yeah, really, really disappointing, Tom. And another thing that, that frustrated me towards towards the end of the season. And I'm going to come on to, to talk about some of the positives, but... I think once the, the wheels the wheels completely came off, I think we then almost tried to go back to to play to kind of trying to win games at the end of the season. Not trying to win games. We kind of I think the selection at the end of the season, playing Hughes, playing Cipriani, playing Clark, playing these guys that are leaving, I just thought was was was, was really disappointing. And, and and looking ahead to to, to next season, I, I thought that that yeah that. The way that the whole squad was managed throughout the season was was just not good enough. And it, to be fair to you, I mean, I I I understand that I, I don't I'm not quite um, fully on board with that because I I think there's an element that in a professional club when you're, it's results oriented for that season, people are assessed on the results to a degree that they or to a part that they receive that season. I do think that you. You, you sometimes you have to play what you think is the best side that week. What I would say though is that if you give an example that you gave lots of times last the, well, not last season, the season 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 prior, 21-22 season, sorry, 2021 season. <laughs> uh, again, my years mixed up with COVID's just completely throwing me off. But you you made the point repeatedly about Will Chudley and why we were playing him and and what you know. And I think <laughs> I think the the point partially was made because. You were concerned that looking ahead to next season, <laughs> when Ben Spencer was out, and he got injured in that first game, as you said, wasn't it against Sale? Yeah. And then suddenly you've got Ollie Fox, who's had something like three or four Premiership appearances at that point. And whether or not if he'd had more appearances the prior season, he would have been he would have been able to to fill those boots. I mean, we don't know. The answer is possibly not. But you at least have to set these guys up so that they're not coming in cold. Mm-hmm. And the absence of a proper Bath United season during COVID and again this season with only a few Premiership Rugby Cup games to, to give those guys experience I think has, has kind of almost doubled down on that effect. Mm. Any particular lowlights, particular days out uh, that we went on or, or particular moments in the season that stand out as, as, as the bottom of the, of the barrel? I think there's, there's two clear um, there's two clear days which I'll, I'll look back on with with no fondness. Now I'm trying to forget, but it's hard when you wake up in cold sweats most nights about it. <laughs> I think Saracens was incredibly tough. I find Saracens very very um, easy to to dislike and to to go there with a, a few good friends who were you know Saracens season ticket holders and to to stand behind the post in the Thatcher stand and watch tries rain in, watch Anthony Watson go down injured, as you say. And then watch a very content Nigel Ray skipping his way through the through the stand at the end, looking looking very pleased with himself. Obviously, given what given what had, what had happened and, and the relegation, that was that was that was a very very tough one to take. And then obviously the the West Country derby down at King's Home, making the trip down to the shed in all our colours. And you know they were very gracious in in victory, but just over our kind of you know what is. A rich history as a club, we have had the the kind of um, the, the edge on that rivalry. If you look at you know you look over the kind of the, the longer term, and we we've more heritage, we've more titles as a as a club, albeit not in the last couple of decades. So to go there and to be inflicted 
the, the biggest ever Premiership win of Gloucester, the biggest ever defeat for, for Bath was... Was was tough to take, but it's just been the. I, I think I think more generally, it's just been the slow grind of constant losing, yeah, and constantly coming back and having to say the same thing and then seeing the same things play out on the field. But yeah, those are two particular moments that that stick out. I think, Jay. And we finished bottom, and I don't, you know, you listen back to the, the preseason podcast. But if you told us then that we were going to finish bottom. We would have been shocked and also calling for wholesale change. And my real concern and my, my main negative, I think, from, from the end of the season is that I just don't think we're getting enough change to eradicate the issues that are at play in the rugby department. And I think keeping the director of rugby and keeping the head coach, which is what we're doing, which is what we're doing, is just not acceptable after that season. Yeah, so I, well, we're not keeping that coach. Well, we're we are. We are keeping. We are. Keep, we're, we're keeping Neil Hatley, but we're we're moving him back to 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 forwards coach. I think. I think there's a good argument that he has been very very lucky, given given what's happened this season. But as I say, I I would temper that with the fact that I do think he has been basically handed a shit sandwich and said, right, crack on with that, um, in a role that you're not not used to. And it was his decision to take it, but I. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been hugely disappointed if he'd. If he'd. If he'd moved on. To be honest. And then with 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 Stuart Hooper, which I guess is the other one that you're you're talking about. And it's funny you mentioned the preseason podcast, and particularly when we're talking about defence coach and recruitment and Danny Cipriani being something that he really pins mm. his, his 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 colours to. We said that if that doesn't work, if we haven't sorted out the defence, you said if we finish ninth in the the, the Premiership, his position. Is is very very you know hard to hard to justify. I don't know. I I I think that he didn't employ a defence coach, it, and then we had the worst defence in the league, and so we had to get someone. That is just mind boggling. And I, I do, as I've said a few times, I do feel that he has been fairly sidelined in terms of having any impact on the pitch rugby wise one thing that he you have to give him credit for is generally his recruitment's been pretty good generally the retention of players that we've wanted to retain has been pretty good the building of the academy has been really strong and that's been you know one of the only positives really of, of this mm. season so I, I think he has he's done things in more of a kind of back office kind of boardroom department management department that I think have been have been to his credit I think Touchline stuff, rugby stuff. I don't expect to see him doing any of that stuff. I don't expect to see him in a tracksuit. I expect him to see him suing up with. I expect to see him suing up with Tarkin, the, with, the with, job he wants with yeah. with Tarkin McDonald. And you know, bringing in a new kind of head of rugby, changing what is it, two or three of the coaches, bringing Maddock and Ferreira um, as kind of you know senior coaches, and changing quite a lot of the squads. I think that's fairly significant change. I don't think you can just rip up everything and start again because you need an element of continuity. But maybe you're right. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm flogging a dead horse. Sorry, what's it? Tracksuit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is. Yeah, I don't want to see him. Won't. Do you think we will? I don't want to see him in a. I'll be shocked. Either. I'll be shocked. Maybe if he's in a tracksuit. Yeah. Well, that will that be that be the wrong image for you? If he wears a tracksuit next season, then he's gone in your mind. I think it'll, it'll that'll be hard to justify. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned there the the young boys, Tom, and let's move on to to talk about a few positives from the season because yeah, I think there were a couple of positives certainly, and and without doubt, the main one is these these young guys stepping up. You know, if we look back to again, look back to the start of the season and think about what we thought about Orlando Bailey, what we thought about Max Ajoma. And what we thought about you and Richards, I mean, we barely knew you and Richards. The first two, at least, we, we kind of knew of and were excited about, certainly. But definitely didn't think they'd have as big an impact as they did this season. Let's, let's be clear, they were academy players at the start of this season. And they have just been phenomenal. And, yeah, absolutely outstanding. Just so influential in, in some of the best moments of, of the season. And ultimately, 
are a shining light for, for, for what Johan can play with and what Johan has to play with um, at, at Bath. Yeah, I think those three guys in particular, I don't know if I'm missing any, but Bailey, Joma, Richards. I, I, I think guess if you put been... Glamble in with that. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Glamble's a season pro now. Yeah. And he, you know, he's been a, But he's still he's a very, very, very young guy. Yeah, very young guy. But I think those guys are three that we didn't know about, yep. that we now know about and are now very, very excited about. Yeah, I mean, you know, Orlando Bailey wasn't even going to be playing second fiddle to... To, to Danny Shipriani, we had Tien Schumann, <laughs> who who was call him? to what Shipriani, <laughs> Sipriani, oh, just to be clear. Um, we had Tien Schumann, who was yeah, yeah. you know who was due to be kind of kind of backing him up, and we barely even thought or mentioned Orlando Bailey being what twenty years of age as he was at the the start of the season, I believe. And yeah, it, it, it's just been incredible to see not only kind of the green shoots emerge, but now flourish mm-hmm. and those na- guys now even start to become leaders start to be involved in England squads start to look the part and we've only known about them for a season Bath Rugby released a, a montage of, mm. of Max Ajomo and there are some lovely moments in there obviously some some bullet passes that he likes to throw some some go to hand some go into <laughs> some go into Rosette some some unbelievable kind of silky running some chips through he's really kind of already maturing into the complete package and we're 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 obviously biased but i yeah it's it's madness that these guys at times have been have been holding everything together it seemed and it shows you know great maturity amazing potential and again you have to say it's it's you know huge credit to to the academy and also the local schools Mm. that they've they've come from yeah bailey's a baller i I know we've mentioned about joma but a bailey for me has been just yeah, so good this season. Just developed into a, a proper fly half, and yeah, I'm so excited about where yeah. where he can take us. And it's so refreshing to be like, we'll go through the the makeup of the the squad later. But you know, ten is a slight issue, but we don't need to search for a uh, like a front line a ten, front line 10 mm-hmm. which we've needed to search ever since we let let George Ford go, and that is such a difficult position to fill. And we've got we've we've got that problem solved. So really, really refreshing. Tom, any other positives from from the season? I think one thing one thing we have to mention, um, and it's you know it's, it's more of an off the field thing, but the 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 quality of the support of the mm, team 100%. that we've had all season, it's it's just been 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 out, outstanding. I mean, the turnout of the wreck has been absolutely amazing. Possibly the best proportional turnout in terms of capacity out of any club of, of the thirteen teams. And also, Bath fans have travelled. You know, it's not just the the, the La Rochelle Five, and I'm sure there would have been lots that would have followed if if they could. But you go to away games, you go to Bristol, you go to I went to Northampton Saints, and you you go to Quinns, and you see the number of Bath fans that are there in these brutal victories, in these brutal defeats. Sorry, and they're there still clapping supporters, still clapping the players around at the end. And I hope that's kind of helped the players through a difficult season. Um, there's a you know, I'm turning into kind of cricket mode now or into the summer and there's a there's a Barmy Army song which references that they are the, the loyalist cricket supporters that the world has ever had. And I think that after after this season, you know, Bath fans can 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 call themselves the loyalist rugby supporters that the the world has ever had. You know, we, we call for thick and thin every week, whatever it is, thirty four mm. times this season and man we've we've really got it this year. I've got the thin. Yeah, but they've stuck through it. They've stuck through the thin, and yeah, credit to credit to Bath fans. It's been outstanding. The number of people that went out to that Leinster away day, and probably one that you booked before the start of the season. But but yeah, you you do see them, and you even see a few really optimistic ones in the in the stands at the tw- at Twickenham for for the final. And I did feel a little bit sorry for the um, the Bath Rugby whoever kind of admins the Bath Rugby Twitter account where they. You know, ob- we're obliged to post. Get your tickets here for the Premiership Rugby Final, even as close to kind of after the semi-final in Bath, were miles and miles out of contention. But yeah, obviously some Bath fans took heed of that and 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 went to to Twickenham. Obviously, fantastic day out, and yeah, to see so many Bath shirts, the iconic colours has been has been fantastic this season. Some a couple of highlights that I will I will just pick out. Mm. Um, I think. From a, a performance on the field point of view, the uh, Bristol victory was was undoubtedly the the, the highlight yep. for me. Twenty one nil down, I think we were. Uh, 
getting ridiculed, to say the least, by a few Bristol fans around me. Uh, and to come back in, in the fashion that we did and to score at the end in, in dramatic style, it was it was really good and, and, and ultimately meant absolutely nothing, but it was a fantastic day on the field. And then off the field, and, and we've mentioned it a few times, but, but the La Rochelle trip was, was just was just superb and, and uh, you know don't want to go on about it too much because I'm conscious that we were kind of the only people that that were that were there but yeah I just hope that one day we, we get to go back to, to La Rochelle with all of you the fantastic Bath Rugby Plug supporters and enjoy what is one of the great one of the great cities and one of the great rugby cities in, in in the world in my mind and you just saw that in the aftermath of their Champions Cup victory which I don't know if we mentioned but the scenes looked looked unprecedented and yeah speaking yeah. to some of the guys that we met out there certainly enjoyed themselves and it's a fantastic place and that that weekend was was yeah was just unforgettable you know and ultimately we we lost by 18 points away <laughs> to the eventual winners so, so we, can, we, can we drew them at home we drew with them at home and you know just looking yeah. ahead to to potential away days mm. for next season. I mean, the you know, the obviously dropping down into the Challenge Cup, which means we we have a chance of seeing a, a Bath Rugby European win, which I don't believe I've ever seen, um, <laughs> despite going to Leinster twice, Clermont Auvergne, Toulouse, and now La Rochelle. But I mean, some tidy options potentially. So Benetton and Zebra, obviously Could dropping be. down from the URC to a nice trip to Italy, perhaps, or even South Africa. So the Lions at um, uh, Johannes- Johannesburg, which is uh, Ellis Park. Mm. So they they are they will be in the in the Challenge Cup as all the cheaters. So a nice trip to Bloemfontein. Don't know much about what goes on there, but but that could be that could be nice. Toulon as well, and uh, um, and Stade Francais. So perhaps a trip to a return trip to France. So plenty of plenty of opportunities, hopefully, to to go and support the. The, the club and, and, and meet up in person next season. Absolutely. A few awards maybe, Tom, from this season as we keep this as, as positive as we as we possibly can. No, I don't want to... We've over- gone light, haven't we? I don't want to overdo it. We've gone light on the awards here. Yeah, I think um, justifiably so. So we've got, a, we've got a back of the year, a forward of the year and a breakthrough player of the year. I will I will take the, the first two, but you know, feel free to feel free to disagree. So first of all, the back of the year... So this is a bit of a tough one because you listened to the preseason where I predicted Spencer, and so you didn't want to. Give well, it to we have, well, it's not Spencer. <laughs> I feel like he's been he's been absent a little little bit too much. This is a guy who has been ultra consistent throughout the season. He's mm. played twenty one of the twenty seven games that that we played across across all competitions. He has he's chased absolutely everything. He has finished absolutely everything. Mm. He's beaten more players. Than any other player in the in the Bath squad, and I think actually features decently heavily in the in the the overall league for players, which is pretty impressive. And I think you know, as I said, I think a couple of weeks ago for the second season at the club, again for the second time, is the top try scorer. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the the, the back of the year to to Will Muir. You need to pause. Like doing Love Island. Little drum roll. Little sort of dramatic pause where we can. And then cut to our break. Any sponsors out there would like to arrange that? <laughs> no, Will Muir, absolutely fantastic. Justified. I think I, I had Tom de Glanville penned down. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I just can't believe how outstanding he's been in what's really his second season, full season at fullback. He's been amazing. He just so, goes quite unnoticed now, which exactly, is amazing. Exactly. Forward of the year, Tom, I, you know, a little peek <laughs> behind the curtain. I was, um, I, I refuse to pick one of these. I think the, the state of the pack's not been, not been good enough to justify one, but maybe you can get one. And it's a hard decision because lots of them, or none of them have really played a full season, um, at least not, partic- not, not particularly well. Lots of people, <laughs> lots have been injured. Obviously, we've had guys away with, with international duty, um, and it was a bit of a difficult one, but I feel like when he has been available, the way that this guy's come back after what's been, you know, a bit of was a bit of a rough previous season, was out of contention with England, wasn't picked for the Lions, um, and he's come back and he's back to his marauding best. And at times he's at like our own defender. I mean, you think that's the Gloucester mm. whitewash. He was basically the only guy on the field that 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 looked like he was he was hungry for it. So the yeah. board of the year is. Jan is Jonker. No, Sam Underhill. Brutal. Brutal. Sam Underhill, I, how much rugby has he played this season, though? Now you put me on the spot. 
Yeah, I don't know if he's necessarily played enough. I think I agree when he's when he's who has been, played who has played who yeah, has played enough. I mean, who else? Who else would you say has been decent when they've been around? Maybe Josh McNally, Miles Reed, but Miles Reed's barely played. You and Richards, you could. It's got a shout, but I think. Yeah, fair enough. The breakthrough player of the year is someone that we we've already spoken about, so let's not dwell on it too much. I, I, it's really between the, the two backs, and I think Orlando Bailey's just shaded it for me. I think the way he's played at ten in in massively outplaying any of the other options we've had at 10 and the way he's matured into that role has just been outstanding so Bailey breakthrough pair of the year for me very good Victor scale reading for one final time of well, the 2021-2022 season Tom get your reader out get your measurer out and give me a reading for the, the season as a whole where we stand now well I mean, we've spoken a lot about episode one the pre-season podcast for, for this season but episode two was when the Victor scale was actually born was it so we've 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 not reported as often as we could have done I mean the readings have been so faint of late that we haven't we haven't seen seen fit to bother I mean I don't really know where to go with this I mean we've we've at times I think gone into negative territory with the the, the Victor scale which I don't I don't know how that works but I think I'd have I'd, ha- I'd have to go I'd have to go at one Oof, generous. I just, I, I just think, I mean, there has there's been some things that we've mentioned about the club off the field in particular and some of the guys on the field that have just get me up to that one. But I mean, ultimately, as I said, it's been the worst season potentially ever in our history. And there have been some, you know, we're, we're all very jovial now, but there's been some pretty grim mm-hmm. days mm-hmm. going to support the club. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, stick to a one, I think. I think that is a bit generous, though. My reading is showing as a zero, which I think is the lowest reading on the thick. Well, you'd hope it's the lowest reading on the Victor scale. I think it's it can't be read on the actual Richter scale, um, but the lowest reading uh, is is micro earthquakes that are rarely felt. And hopefully, from a Bath Rugby point of view, this season, this feeling, this performance, this Victor reading is rarely felt, and we're on to better things next season Tom as we turn our attention briefly to next season um, and and kind of the makeup for the squad and, and any initial thoughts we've got on next season obviously we will be back once the summer is over and once we turn our attention back towards rugby we will be here to talk in much more depth about all of this um, but just to go through a few of the ins Tom and I think a couple of them since we last spoke to get Bath fans up to date with. So JJ Tonks has signed, uh, former Northampton Saints player, 23 appearances for Northampton Saints, a back rower uh, with an England Sevens background who can also play second row. He was signed along with Louis Hennessy, who is a young Welsh centre. He will also study at the University of Bath, um, 18-year-old. So, fine institution, isn't it, Drew? So it is a fine institution. It is. It really is. So he'll have a great time there and, and maybe won't feature too much in his first seasons, but but one for, for the future there. Tom, those two join P.S. Francis, Dave Atwood, Chris Clurter, Louis Schroeder, Niall Annett, Matt Gallagher and Wesley White as Bath's signings confirmed this season. What are your feelings on that? Is there anyone you pick out in particular or, or kind of your general thoughts on, on that group as a whole? I think, well, so the, the first two guys you mentioned, kind of very young guys, so 22 and 18 respectively. I think, you know, we, we won't probably see a huge amount of, of those guys. I think it's positive that, 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 that um, what's his chops? Uh, Tonks can play, <laughs> can, play, can play lock as well because I think we do potentially look a little bit light in that area. Maybe. Piers Francis, I mean, he's a he's a decent quality player. I think he will he'll serve as pretty good cover to Orlando Bailey and I, I definitely expect it to be nothing more than really? than, than cover. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you know, every time I've I've seen him I've been relatively impressed with him. He can play ten or twelve. He's pretty versatile. If you're a fly half that can also play inside centre then usually you're you know you're You've probably got to be fairly decently decent defensively, which is something we've massively missed in the ten shirt this season with with Cipriani. So I'm not I'm not I'm not too down on on that signing. Um, and then yeah, Dave Atwood we've 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 mentioned previously. 
much is going to depend on what Dave Apple we get, what his injuries, what his fitness is like. Um, yeah. Do you, is this fulfilling with a, a lot of excitement, the, this, this group of players? Because, to be clear, and we're going to talk about the, no. the makeup of the squad, this, this appears to be it for signings yeah. for, for Bath Rugby. Is that, is that group enough to, turn, to, to, to start to turn this around? I don't think it's it's usually exciting, but I think when you look at the guys the guys coming in for lots of clubs across the league, I think you see the impact of the the, the salary cut reduction and the, the the marquee player reduction biting on all clubs. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you in the past we've paid big chunks of our cap to players that we have simply haven't seen enough of. I mean, Watson, Falatao, even Cipriani are, are good examples of late. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we've had these young guys we mentioned who are trying to keep the the, the ship afloat. And if, if any if anyone has seen the, the film Moneyball, we just weren't getting value for our pounds statistically. And I think, given given that, and and having having players around consistently for the season and continuity is so important in 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 a Premiership squad. I think, given that, and given the the salary cap reductions, I don't really. It doesn't really feel like there was room for another huge signing in there, and we'd have all loved to have seen, you know, Lud Diego, for example, come in and fill that that second fill a, fill a shirt in the second row. But I've no doubt that with Bruce Craig at the helm, we're operating at the salary cap level. So I just think that that was that was probably what we had left in terms of spend. Do you think we're seeing people, you know, less of an attraction to Bath based on the season that we've that we've just seen, or or do you think that it still carries nah. weight? I think that when you've got a hundred Premiership players um, who are out of contract and can't find another Premiership club, mm. the supply and demand dynamics there are very much in favour of the of the buyer of the club. So I, I don't I don't think that there are players turning away from Path because to be honest, I think Premiership players are, are very happy to to get a contract with a with with a club. Um, it can't it, it can't help for sure. But I I you know. We can get into the squad and the position groups in more detail, but I think overall, in terms of having having stars and young guys, I think this this feels a little bit more balanced, um, albeit with a you know a very green tinge to it in in a lot of cases and a and a and a kind of homegrown core. What are you? What are your impressions? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not that. I mean, I'm not that impressed with the the, the signings, but. I think that you're right. There's there's definitely kind of a middle squeeze in, in, yeah. in the Premiership, and that's seeing a lot of those kind of mid middling's harsh, but like those players, players, those players that are in yeah the kind of middle of the salary region, just not find a place because there's that you know you want your stars, and then you kind of make up your squad where you can. So so I think that is it, and yeah, just to kind of confirm some of the main outs. So obviously Watson. Rocco Daguni, Fox, Detroit, Cipriani, Falatau, Vaughan, Clark and Schumann, along with a few of the short-term signings that we made, Tom. That leaves us with our 2022-2023 squad. Bath put a post out with that to that effect, saying this is our squad, which would suggest, as I say, this is it. Just going through a few of those position groups, kind of where do you think potentially we're strong or, or perhaps where do you think we're light? Well, maybe I'll start with an, an area that, that I think think we're quite light, and we've we've mentioned it mentioned it before, and it always reminds me of an old um, Richard Cockrell quote, and he he, he says that your the most important position on on your team is your tight head prop, and your second most important on your team is your is your reserve tight head prop, mm. and on that basis, and it's an issue that we we spoke about loads of times, and you even mentioned earlier on today. With Will Stewart likely to miss a fair chunk of the season, and let's be honest, he's not the same beast when he's overplayed as we've seen in the past. I think having Darcy Ray and Johannes Jonker as the backups, and then Kieran Verdon, um, kind of, kind of, you know, will be having to will be used um, in that in that position. That just feels very light for a, a Premiership club, and you know, I look at a Wasps who are bringing in Vincent Cock. And and you just have to feel and the from Munster as well and um, John Ryan mm. and you have to feel a little bit envious there because mm-hmm. you know that's what we need yeah that's what we've always needed and, and and all we've seemed to have done is and you look at that list of players and you know there's a couple in there you're talking about 
we just bring in more back rowers. More fl- but more flankers. Yeah, it's, it's... There's no eights. Do we need this many flankers? Do we need Josh Bayliss, Chris Clurter, Thomas Cowan, Richard de Carpentier, Tom Ellis, Miles Reed, Ethan Stadden, JJ Tonks, Sam Underhill and Wesley White? Well, we don't bloody well need all of those players to play two positions. Yeah, well, Wesley, what are we well, doing? Wesley White's number eight, I think, but he's... he's is he? Yeah, I watched the. I was unsure about that. I watched the highlights for today, and he's playing in number eight shirt for all the all the games I've seen. So yeah, essentially what we're saying is that for number eight, we are still fairly light. We've got Jakub Kutsi has obviously really struggled with injuries this season. Not played that and much. Not played at all. Yeah, that's because of the function of having him being fit at the same time as Falatao. He he is a number eight for me. And then you've got yeah Wesley White from Jersey, so he's coming out from the Championship, and Liam Merrigan, who again it's very early days, and maybe it gives him the opportunity he needs that that Joma and Bailey have had, but it's harder in the pack to, to do that at, at a young age. <clears throat> so yeah, I do think we're like that. And it is really hard, G, not to feel like there's a massive Zach Mercer shaped hole in that squad because he I would just I'd just yeah, I'd love to see him in there. But I actually had a look at the, the numbers. So in that squad that's listed, 66 in the full squad, so that includes kind of senior academy guys, I think one guy who's a scholar or something, 17 of those guys are listed as back rows. So that's 26% of the squad are listed as back rows. Usually you'd have, say, four in a 23-man squad, which is 17%. So essentially we've got 9% over what we need to represent a 23, which, as you say, feels like a lot when you're light in other positions and you're stacked full of, of flankers in particular. It's just way it just, too many it, flankers. It, 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 yeah, it, it does feel strange. And maybe some will look to spend more time at number eight or even... You know, we'll start to see Tom Ellis migrate to second row. <laughs> but I, I agree. That's 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 that seems to be the elephant in the room. But they they must have thought of this. They must have thought of this. <laughs> I mean, you give them too much credit. Yeah, way too many flankers, Tom. Not enough second rows as well. Not well, certainly not enough high quality second rows in in my opinion. And and then you turn to to the backs and and at fly half, Orlando Bailey is then backed up by. Kieran Donoghue, Piers Francis, Sam Harris and, and George Warboys. And yeah, unless you think Piers Francis is is of the quality to play Premiership 10, then that's hugely concerning. He will have to play that because there's no way that the other guys are playing there. And we saw, I saw George Warboys play. who I, I, I like, he's a, he seems like a nice lad, but he's very, very young. He hasn't played much first team men's rugby. And, you know, we saw him play 10 in the Premiership Rugby Cup game against Worcester. And to be honest, he just it just looked like it was still a little bit too quick for him, a little bit too physical for him. So I don't think he's ready to, to come in. I think you could do more harm than good to a player like that, bringing him in early. Um, sort of the Pierre Gasly, Max Verstappen kind of dynamic <laughs> for those who are Formula One fans. So it will have to be Francis G. I, I don't see any other any other way around. But. And then outside of that, there's so much inexperience in the centre and outside backs. You've got Jonathan Joseph in the centres. The rest of them, by my reckoning, uh, I think they're all under the age of 24, maybe? How old's Redpath? Not I think, Max Wright, surely. Well, right, yeah, fine. Right, Wright's, what, 25, 26? They're all so inexperienced. And again, you look in the, the back three, delighted that, that Darren Atkins deservedly got a, another contract. But again, McConaughey's the old man there. Like, well, Matt but, Gallagher's 30, I think, isn't he? I think he's a young lad. Oh, is he? Maybe let me just check that. <laughs> I, think Matt, I think Matt Gallagher might be a young lad. You carry on. 23. Yeah, I, they're just, there's there's a lot of inexperience in, in the outside backs, which, yeah, I, I, I think there's a, a huge number of concerns with that with that squad maker. Right, and, right. and, yeah, we've... 25. 25. So, yeah, we've, we've identified, I think, a few of the issues a lot of people have on, on socials as well. So... Yeah, I think I'm still I'm still a little bit worried about where we're at, but I think ultimately what is to change is, is is hopefully some 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 better coaching and get these guys in a better place. And what's annoying is that we're one or two injuries in the wrong places there from having to find a short term signing. Yeah. And I know that I know that that happens with Premiership teams, but I just feel like the balance of that that squad, particularly when you think that the areas we're light in, so tired prop maybe slightly like second row and number eight. Those are positions where you're getting many more injuries than you are in, you know, at centre or in the back three. So, yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to go through the other premiership squads and, and do some analysis on, on where where they've kind of spent their, their player budget, that'll be very interesting. But <laughs> do you know, on the... I don't know, I can't be bothered. <laughs> 
Yes, well, time will tell. These boys will start pre-season on the 11th of July. First port of call, Tom, just get them running, get them fit, um, and get get them fit, get their set-piece right, get Ferreira beasting them in, in defence. Fixtures announced 19th of July. One pre-season game confirmed with Jersey Reds on the 2nd of September before the season starts in earnest on the 9th of September. Just one more item, I think we maybe a bit of an elephant in the room that we need to discuss in the squad and that is the the, the topic of captain mm. and potentially before we next get together to to do it all over again for season five that will that will be announced so um yeah i mean why don't i you know I, are we in agreement here are i think i think we might be i, I mean i don't want to open up charlie's at all because i've been a big fan of him in the past and I, you know, you can't fault his effort. You can't fault his clear love for the club. Um, you know, I remember when his leg was basically falling off against Leinster, which you you expect, but also you can't you can't fault his 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 effort. And you know, to another sporting analogy, I think in in kind of Joe Root fashion, I think he can continue to contribute for Bath. But I mean, you only have to look at his demeanour in at some points this season and in the game against the Barbarians. He just looks like a beaten man, mm. and I think that a fresh start is needed for him, and I think fresh messaging is needed along with the other coaching changes that we've that, that, that we've seen. And yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I think you agree. There's only one man for this. Um, ben, you know, yeah, yeah, Ben Spencer. I mean, he leads by example. He has a brilliant rugby brain. He clearly has the respect of the you know, players, the coaches, the fans. He's not in England contention for some reason. And there's only one year left on his contract. So it feels like good business to get some loyalty there as well and, and build a long-term career at the club. So, Do you think it will happen? I think it will, yeah. I I, I, I think that... And I, I, I don't, I don't, I do, we don't know the inner dynamics of, of the squad and how Charlie Yules is feeling. I think it will probably, to him, feel maybe a weight off the shoulders and he can go and just focus on playing rugby. Um, mm. And, you know, it's not as if he's going to have a nice restful break over the, mm. over the summer either. He's going to Australia. Yeah. So I think, I, think, I, think it, I think it needs to happen. I don't know if Van Graham might want to, uh, you know, if it has a preference for a guy being in the pack or whatever. I mean, Omani's been captain of, of that Munster side for most of the time that he's been there, maybe all of the time that he's been mm. there. So... I don't know, but I think but, it will. You? Do you think? Uh, I think it slightly complicates it that we've got a new coach coming in, and he may want to kind of view the dynamic of the squad and of yours within that squad, and without yours being there for probably summer pre-season, mm. that becomes very difficult. He's obviously off to England. I, I just think that complicates things slightly. I, I, I can see Van Graan buying himself some time and just keeping with yours maybe for a season. I, th- I think it would be the wrong move, but I, I just think it's slightly more complicated than, 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 than we think. Charlie obviously off to England along with four other boys. Tom, um, Charlie Yules, Sam Underhill, Will Stewart and Joe Thokkanesiga off for some summer rugby Tom, um, they won't be getting as much of a, a summer break as the other boys, but it should be interesting to, to watch that series unfold. Yeah, and then, you know they're going on tour to Australia with England, so I don't feel too sorry for them. <laughs> no, I definitely don't feel too sorry for them. Tom, I think that just about draws us to a close here for Season 4 of the Bath Rugby Plug. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and thank you so much for for listening to um, the season as a whole. I think there are a few thank yous we should make at the end of this podcast. Um, And if you've made it to the end, there's our first thank you. Tom, firstly, thank you to yourself for joining me over the course of this season. I know it's been tough at times, but I think, yeah, looking back, we've we've had some fantastic days out. And I think ultimately recording the podcast is is something we're, you know, very lucky to do. And it's been a lot of fun. the rewatches have sometimes been difficult, but actually talking about the games and getting some stuff off our chest and, and talking about Bath Rugby has been um, fun this season. So thank you for joining me as ever. Secondly, to the supporters, we mentioned that the support for 
the club this season has been absolutely outstanding. And yeah, frankly, we can't believe the, the support that we've had on, on this podcast. You know, amazingly, we still seem to be getting more and more listeners every single week. You know, it gradually builds even throughout what has been a really, really tough season. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing it with your friends. And, and please continue to do so over the course of the next season um, and share it over the course of the summer. Listen back to some of the, the good episodes that, that maybe we did um, over this season. And, and one thank you in particular, Tom. And yeah, we say that it's been difficult, but but messages like this kind of make make it worthwhile in a way. And, and thank you very much to Mark Davis for getting in touch with us. You said, thank you for your podcasts. They were a delightful and painful escape from a year on operations in Iraq. Rather be trying to solve Iraq's problems than Bath Rugby's defence, Mark says. Mark, thank you very much for, for getting in touch. That really was a really nice message to receive. Um, hope you, you stay safe. Hope all of you listeners have a fantastic summer and stick behind the boys through thick and thin. <laughs>